Hi, I'm Michael Jonathan Smith, a writer, producer on Cobra Kai, and you are listening to Cobra Kai Companion. Welcome back to another episode of Cobra Kai Companion. And I am Peter, and you guys, uh, kind of a throwback format. Uh, when I first started doing interviews, used to do it over the phone. Uh, for a few months now, I've been trying to get Michael Jonathan Smith on uh, to talk about like Twisted Metal and Season 5 of Cobra Kai. But uh, we finally did it, was able to get him on. Uh, and I really appreciate him fitting me in to his extremely busy schedule. Uh, again, he's show running Twisted Metal, which is his first show. They're in post-production. Um, but he was able to fit me in to talk about season five of Cobra Kai. And we talked about so much. And I still had so many more questions um, that I didn't get a chance to ask. Uh, we talked about Chosen and how they utilized them in season five. Uh, some of the character dynamics, you know, involving Johnny, uh, Terry Silver, and Sensei Kim. Also, a little bit of Tori and Devin. So, um so much to impact. He did three episodes, uh, episodes one, six, and nine of season five. We got to touch on all three, but I, I, again, I, I had so many things I wanted to go over that I didn't get a chance to ask. So hopefully, I don't know, maybe maybe we'll get a chance to do like a part two down down the line or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, this this is the interview. You know, it's uh, been a while since since we've spoken. Um, first and foremost, congratulations on season five. I know it came out a few months ago, but um, Thank you. Kind, yeah, kind of uh, before its release, what what were you guys thinking um, in terms of like how it may be received? Because I felt like it was the most uh, unique season. Um, it was the first season John, Josh, and Hayden didn't direct or write, or at least in terms of credit. Um, was there any concern that you know, fans might be like, oh, wow, you know, they, I just using the term loosely or the phrase loosely, but jumping the shark, you know, uh, with some of the things that happened in season five. Well, I think like, I, I think we all knew season five was going to be an interesting one. And, and look, like John, Josh and Hayden, even though they, they aren't credited for right, like their, their fingerprints are on everything. Like they're, they're so heavily involved in every aspect of it, that it's, it's a testament to their uh, faith in the rest of the room that they knew we could execute these scripts to, to their liking and to, to their, to what they were imagining for this season. And for me, like what I love so much about season five is that, you know, we've been doing the show for, you know, five years now, five seasons, I guess, not five years, uh, but five seasons. So, you know, at a certain point, it, it felt fun to experiment and try new things. And, and I think like episode six is a great example of that. Um, where we got to just try different stylistic stuff. And in and, and, and episode three, too, like the void fight with, where Sam fights herself, like we really got to just try new things and really build the characters out more and, and really just kind of... We knew that the season was going to be huge. Like we knew that we were going big soap opera vibes with Silver being a full-on bad guy and with the, you know, the incoming Sakai Taikai and all that, and just, like, the fact that when I stepped onto, like, the new Cobra Kai dojo for the first time, I was just blown away. Like, they did such a good job building that set. It's just so incredible. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of my, my feeling about going into it, is I knew it was going to be a crazy season. Yeah, and, and not just overall crazy season, but you, um, if, if I remember correctly, this is the first time you wrote three episodes, and your episodes... Yeah. It had so much in them uh, in terms of reintroducing characters, uh, introducing brand new characters. Um, can you uh, shed any light on the discussion on how you were assigned these specific episodes? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, episode we, we, we kind of broke episode one and two together. Um, and, and I think like it was, I think John Josh and Hayden, and I'm like trying to remember because this was, you know, at this point, a year, almost a year ago. Uh, so I apologize if the details are a little dusty. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, 
the uh, you know we talked about the opening and, and what those two episodes were going to be, and uh, I mean, I think since John Jackson said that they weren't going to write any episodes this year, it was, I was very flattered that I, I got the opportunity to write the premiere. Um, and you know, with the premiere, it was really like me and and I mean, the entire room was we we really worked hard to break that story. Um, but it was very cool that like myself and Joe and Luan kind of tag teamed the first two, since like the three of us had been you know on the episode on the show since the beginning. I think uh, so. It was really cool to have that opportunity. So I, I mean, I was I was very flattered that I got a chance to write those, and because I loved all the like Johnny and uh, Robbie stuff. And then looking at episode six, so. I'm not sure how aware. I apologize if this is de- details you or your audience already know, but this is the first time since season one where production and the writers' room were kind of happening almost simultaneously. So we oh, wow. wrote like we we I think uh, like we started writing over the summer, like maybe July or August, and then once we hit September, they they actually brought the entire writers' room out to Atlanta to continue writing. So by the time we actually started pre-production, because there's usually like a few weeks of pre-production before we start shooting, I think we had just gotten Matea's first draft of episode three. So one and two were written and and pretty much polished, but we were just getting going. So that's just to give you an idea of kind of how how fast-paced the room was this year compared to past years. Like I think for season four, we had written, we had drafts of every single script written by the time production started. No, that isn't just, there was a ton of rewriting to do, especially with episode nine, but you know, we were in pretty good shape this year uh, for season five. We're really like going. So the reason I bring all that up is because when we got to episode six, you know, a lot of us were all spread to the wind. A fair amount of people were off on script at that point. Uh, You know, people were on set covering. Um, And uh, so, so when we did episode six, there weren't a ton of people in the room. It was really, I, I mean, I think a lot of people were there from a bunch of it, but there were many sessions where it was like me and, and John and, and Josh, like talking a lot about this episode and, and trying to like try new things. And, uh, uh, or at least those are like my fondest memories of, of episode six were those moments of like discussing like, oh, this, and what about this? And, you know, really trying to drill down on what this episode was and how special it could be. So uh, I was really excited about writing episode six because it really let me like, like the crease scenes I adore. They were so much fun to write in episode six. So there was like a lot of fun, new things to do. The fight scene between, uh, you know, the young crease and old crease intersecting was a lot of fun. So that was really great. And then uh, in terms of why, how or why I was assigned episode nine, I think it's just become kind of a running thing that I've gotten episode nine, which is so flattering and so cool that I get to right. set up the finale. And I think like part of the reason why I was able to get episode nine is I, I just tend to write a lot of the episodes where everyone's kind of hanging out <laughs> yeah. like episode three. I was it episode three in season four. I wrote an episode nine of season two where Johnny and Daniel have the double dates. So it was just a fun opportunity uh, to, to get all those characters together and, and uh, help set up the finale. Um, and the stingray scenes, I, was, I loved writing too, like those, uh, the D&D. Um, <laughs> Do- dojos and Dragons. <laughs> yeah, Dojos and Dragons, which was, which was, uh, par- was, was partially my pitch to, because we were talking about how, the, the beat we always talked about was like, he gives up the game. Like, this is the episode where Stingray like reveals the story. And I kind of, I was like, I remember pulling Josh aside and be like, hey, I had a kind of crazy idea. Tell me what you think. And I pitched him out, like, the idea of him telling the story from the point of view of the Dojos and Dragons, and they really went for it. So it was really fun. Um, I was actually supposed to be in that scene. I was going to be one of the Dungeons and uh, (laughs) Dojos guys who was angry at Stingray, but um, Twisted Metal got... uh, Fortunately and unfortunately, Twisted Metal got picked up to uh, to, uh, to the writer's room then. So I had to had to leave, and I wasn't able to be in the show at least for that oh, season, maybe in the future. Yeah, that's um, that, yeah. that's the second time you were supposed to be in the scene, right? You were supposed to be in three hundred one, also, or 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 you at least auditioned for it. Was I did it, audition. Really? Yeah, I did audition yeah, yeah. for three hundred one. It was a horrible audition, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this this one they were just going to straight up give me the role, which which uh, says a lot about my own Dungeons and uh, Dojo's dorkiness. Right. But, right. Um, yeah, I hope that answers the question. I kind of ramble yeah. a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's, you, you know, it's it, it's been 
a long time. You know, you, um, I, I enjoy, I, I just love speaking with all of you guys. So um, Rebel On is just, you know, I, I just appreciate you fitting me in into your extremely busy schedule. Um, sure. Because, you, you know, like before I hit the record button, you know, I was we were kind of briefly talking about Twisted Metal, but went straight into Cobra Kai. But we'll sort of go back around that towards the end. But um, the, so, so, so about the writing process for season five, you, you just kind of mentioned, you know, like how fast paced and, and, and you know, a lot of people were kind of broken up by the time, by the time you guys got to Atlanta and whatnot. What was that because Netflix said, "Hey, we we want a season five this year still," kind of thing. Was was yeah. that the mainly okay? And did did you guys find yeah. it like even more extremely challenging of a bit because of that, or because it's like season five? You guys kind of already have like a feel for, um, you know, for the story, and you know, maybe there wasn't as much pressure. You know, I, I mean, I think you're, well, first of all, to answer the first question, yeah, like, basically, Netflix was like, let's do, let's do it right now, let's keep the momentum going, because, you know, the, the, the space between the, the uh, season three and four, um, you know, there was a lot of time between, I mean, season two and three, like, they didn't want to have that happen again, obviously, so, and I think right. they were so excited about season four, and the stuff we set up, that, uh, that there, uh, there was a lot of excitement to start a season five pretty quickly. Like I remember I had, I had been home for maybe a month and I got the call from Josh. Um, I was actually at Disneyland with my wife. We were uh, on our day off and I got the call from Josh that uh, we were starting the room back up again. So I was very excited. And also like give a little context season four, I believe is well known was completely online. Like we, we did that entire writer's room on zoom. Right. Um, obviously production, we were in person, but that, you know, that was at the height of the pandemic. Uh, so season five, when that started, we heard it was going to be in person. And I was just like overjoyed because I, I personally, you know, to pull the curtain back, I had a real tough time in the season four writer's room because it's really hard for me to, to pitch on zoom because you can't tell reactions. It's hard to feel like where the feeling is going for the episode. Like I, I just really struggled. So I love that we were in person again. So I really had a lot of energy going into the new season. I think it was it was a hard season because of the pace, but I think it's again a testament to John, Josh, and Hayden, where they just like know the show so well, and you know we drilled down on where we knew we wanted the season to go, and we just broke up like what is the first because like that's that's what the guys have always talked about is like, you know, episode five is the mid season finale, so it's really how do we get to the mid season, and then how do we get from the mid season to the ending, so. You know, if you know what your ending's going to be, it's always, like, a little easier to, to figure out the stuff in between. And it was just really fun to be like, what's the stuff we want to see? We want to see Johnny and the baby. We want to see, or Johnny, you know, uh, dealing with a new aspect of Robbie and the family. And, and we, we really knew what that meant season was going to be. So the pace was really tough. And, and I spent a lot of my time in Atlanta writing. Uh my days were pretty crazy in that respect, but, um, but it was a really fun season and it was really fun to shoot. And we had so many new characters and, and so the big. scope of it was just so big. So, uh, it was Huge. overall, so yeah. it was, yeah, it's a really crazy season, but, um, yeah, I, um, I, I don't know if you, uh, peeped my non-spoiler review for season five. I basically said like, this is like the best Karate Kid sequel, you know, the entire season, just, <laughs> it, it just felt like a movie. Um, so, so just kind of, uh, recap real quick for, um, you know, for, for the, the listeners here that you did episodes one, six and nine in season five, yeah. uh, again, kind of bringing in a lot of different characters and whatnot. Uh, one of my questions was, um, let's, let's talk about chosen and, and you know, we're not going to go by, by episodes, just kind of, you know, just broad strokes here, uh, yeah. bringing back chosen, um, any discussion as to why chosen doesn't get like. I mean, I know he got his quote-unquote entrance at the very end of season four. Uh, in your episode six, we had, you know, the the nice slow-mo from Sensei Kim and also Terry Silver coming out of the limo. Uh, episode three, which was Mateus, right? I, uh, Mike fucking, yeah, Mike Barnes. So he got a slow-mo kind of reveal. Uh, was there any discussion on, like, Chosen? Like, he's just going to, like, show up and we, we kind of see, like, uh, one cheek. Uh, yeah, so that was always what Chosen's uh, entrance was going to be, was like <laughs> seeing him swimming and then revealing him naked and Amanda running into it. Because Thank you. Really, Thank you so, much of this season, <laughs> so much of the first half of the season especially is about 
like Daniel's, you know, trying to bring Silver to, to justice on his own, right? And, and, and with Chosen's help. But we really wanted to feel like Daniel was kind of like isolated and that he had kind of brought, and we always love that like Amanda's, so much of Amanda's role is like bringing Daniel back to earth and constantly butting up against the karate wars. So it felt like such a funny entrance. And honestly, like the reason why I love that entrance as opposed to some of the more dramatic entrances is like, we already introduced Chosen technically in season three, right? Like that, that was his big introduction to the show. Um, and that is a huge entrance of like, he appears in the, in the, like in the, in the bar and you know, you have all the flashbacks. So really we didn't want to do that again. And, you know, coming off of season four, people are going to see a recap knowing, okay, Chosen's in town. So we didn't really need to do, we felt like we didn't need to do anything like rewinding and, and stuff like that. We thought it'd be more fun to kind of start in media res and pick up not far after where season four ends. And now it's kind of playing the consequences of that. Uh, was uh, was there any discussion or insight you can give on what the phone call might have been like when Daniel calls Chosen to, to come in to help? I mean, I think it was very much like I need your I need your help to fight Cobra Kai because they had so I I feel like they had known so much I I feel like it was just like I need your help you know like we 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 felt like Chosen was just out, coming out of last season so loyal to to Daniel and to Miyagi Do and we liked the idea that you know he needs someone like Chosen to to kind of have that perspective that fresh perspective. And uh, so that's kind of what we always imagined that phone call would be. Uh, and also on, on Chosen, did you guys discuss like um, rules, you know, for Chosen? Because I felt like throughout the entire season, we got to see some glimpses of like Karate Kid 2 Chosen, you know, a little bit of Sato yeah. and a lot of Mr. Miyagi as well. So was there like any rules when he, like Chosen is when he finds himself in certain situations or scenes, uh, anything of that nature? Yeah, I mean, I think, like, what's so great about Chosen as a character, um, and I will say, too, what, what's great about working with, like, Yuji, who plays Chosen, as everyone who listens to this podcast knows, Yuji knows the character so well, so he was constant. We were really talking to him a lot about, like, dialogue, and I had many calls with him about what suggestions he would make for dialogue and stuff like that, but I think, like, what, I, what what's so great about Chosen as a character is that, um, you know, he was the villain in Karate Kid 2, so there's always a little bit of edge to him, and you never... You can play into that, especially in like episode two, where you're like, "Oh my god, is he really switching over to Silver's side? Is he going to be won over by Silver?" Um, so, so I think like we just really want to stay true to this character that he's loyal to Daniel first and foremost, almost to a fault, which allows you to have these moments where like in episode three he like goes overboard, um, but he's also like there's a little bit of danger to him too because he was, you know. The, the villain <laughs> so you can play a little bit more into that uh that vibe you know he's not like a goody two-shoes there's a little bit of johnny in him too so which makes all the you know the conversations between him and johnny even more fun um so yeah there, there weren't like strict rules i think we kind of have a sense of the character that we know where he's coming from and know kind of where, where his headspace is and how he would react to these things and, and it's about the fun of putting him in these situations where you're trying to guess like, Oh my God, is he going to switch to silver side or is he going to stay with John Daniel? Like does, does he love reality TV? Like there's, there's just a lot of fun to, to learn more about that character. in the season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now wh- what about, uh, uh, his feelings for Kub- oh, Kokomo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was something we, we just thought would be like, in you know, the, the idea of, like, him... You know, we always had this idea in the in the backstory that, you know, that Kumiko kind of saved Chosen, right? And they have this deep history, and we just thought it... We, you know, he would harbor an affection for her, and we just liked the idea of, of the two of... You know, of what what would happen if he had those feelings, and, and, and we also thought it was, like, worth having a conversation between Daniel and Chosen about Kumiko, because, you know, Daniel... You know, even Ralph has said that Kumiko was always his, like, that that was kind of the one for, for Daniel. So there was something interesting about about playing into that conversation and using that as a as a way to get to know Chosen a little bit more and see a, a different side of Chosen. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting uh, when, you know, I started hearing some of that dialogue because I was like, you know, that kind of makes sense, too, because, like, Yuji Talon 
have been very close friends for for decades, you know, and, and they continue to collaborate with one another on, on other projects and whatnot. So I, I, I just thought it makes sense. Um, what what about the uh, kind of I felt there were little little teases to uh, kind of little teases that chosen might die towards the end. Right. Uh, just right. I, I don't know. Was I seeing that? What, what was I? Was that all in my head? No, you, because no, that was always the that was always the goal was for there to be a fake out for you to think chosen was going to die. Uh, the, the viewers, not me specifically. <laughs> I feel like no, it was no, no, personal. Viewers, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were definitely like, okay, we want Peter to think chosen's going to die. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, we, we we always we always wanted there to be a fake out. I don't think we we were ever going to realistically kill chosen, but we wanted him to get injured. We wanted you to think that, oh my God, like the, the stakes could never be higher. Um, so that was always the goal or that was always the intention was to, to have that fake out. Yeah. I, I just thought it was funny because, um, you know, like in hindsight, when, when I made uh, a guest appearance on kicking it with the coves and, and I told them my theory, Oh, chosen is going to die. I didn't, it didn't occur to me that like at that time, like season five was already filmed, you know, like when I <laughs> interviewed uh, Julia, you know, she was like, yeah, it was crazy. Come like go, going on channels to talk about my appearance in uh, season four because I had already uh, filmed season five as well. But she couldn't tell anybody. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, it was a whole weird thing. I was like, oh yeah, I didn't even think about that. Um, so so uh, Vanessa Larusso, um, her her reintroduction. Uh, uh, can you talk about bringing her in and 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 shipping her with a douche? Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, I think it was something that was blue skied in the room. Uh, early was like, oh, it'd be funny if found out Ness was dating a noosh. Uh, and it was something that, like, made us all laugh, and honestly, we just never found the right spot for it in season five. It might have been something we even talked about in season four, I honestly can't remember. But I, I remember when we were talking about, we really we really love the idea of a night out for everyone, like, and, and a party night for, the, for, you know, and it was just about trying to find, like, what was what is the right reason for everyone to go out? But it was really something we all pushed into existence because we love the idea of our characters going out, having fun. It's such a high stakes season that episode nine just felt like the right moment to have a like night out. Um, and also it was a good, like the reason why we like the night out is because it separates the adults and kids so that the kids could discover something. Well, like we like the idea that the first half of the season is about the adults diving into the mystery. And then the second half of the season, it's like the kids are diving into the mystery more. So uh-huh. it, it felt like a good opportunity to split the adults and kids because, okay, the kids are going to be off discovering what's happening. And the adults are like finally able to have fun. So it just felt like a good opportunity. And because of that, we really like, there were a few moments where it was my, maybe not going to make it, but we just love, Anoush and Louie and, and Ness so much. And Ness was such, had, you know, she just popped so hard last year, uh, last yeah. season, that we were like, we have to bring her back in a fun new way. Um, just because she also puts all our characters on their toes. I think there was even more Louie, Anoush, and Ness stuff that got cut uh, at the script level. But, like, it was always a really fun character. And we just like the idea of Louie becoming this overprotective, you know, c- brother and and you know Anoush is his brother too in a lot of ways so it was just a really great excuse to just bring these like characters back for an episode um yeah yeah i i really like that sequence as you know kind of brief as as it was just kind of it just just imposing it over you know the uh our our you know three badasses being kidnapped at the same time yeah. you know with, with the yeah, the exactly. eye of the tiger all of that yeah it was, it was pretty crazy you, you you mentioned something being cut at the script level. Like, what were some of the things with Vanessa that was that was just mainly a dialogue? Obviously, it was just more. I think it was just more jokes. I, I honestly don't yeah. remember what what got cut. I'd have to like look at the script. It was it yeah, wasn't yeah. anything like there wasn't. It wasn't like a separate storyline or anything. I think it just might the scenes might have been longer or there might have been an extra scene. Uh, but uh, but I mean the core of it was always that where it was like the you, you know you had the fake out. Uh, of like who's a noosh with or like why is a noosh not coming out with everyone and all that stuff and and them fighting on the floor and, you know and daniel making the joke about that and then the idea of, of them leaving like and them bonding and all, all those beats were always in there i can't remember what the what the deleted stuff was i think it was just dialogue right. and now what what was the uh the shade on uh white claw <laughs> that uh i can't remember if that was my joke or someone else but we just always like the idea of johnny 
like interacting with that and and not knowing what it was. Like, oh, it just sounds like the most badass drink, and then he drinks it and thinks it sucks. That was just something I think like we talked about in the Blue Sky Day. Uh, like when we first break the season, we always like kind of talk about things we like to see or jokes we have, and that joke always made me laugh. So I wanted to put it there, uh, but I can't remember if that was mine or someone else's. But uh, it, we just thought it was funny. Yeah, that's that's what you guys do. Like in every season, there's always something that you guys, uh, whether it's a line or product or whatever it is, like I, it always kind of changes my perspective or whatever. I, I never look at things that are the same way again. So anytime I see a watermelon, specifically white claw, I'm like, ha, tastes like, you know, tastes like a watermelon, took a piss, you know? So, it, so I don't know if I can drink a watermelon white claw. I had a mango one like last week, but, um, you know, oh. just, just because Johnny talked about it, you know, I, uh, I, I am, more prone to grab a white claw if I see it now, you know, like in a refrigerator or yeah, something. Funny. <laughs> That's really so, funny. Uh, yeah, well, I hope you're also, I hope you're also doing flying, flying tornado kick in the supermarket against the watermelon. You, you, so. you know, yeah, it, only if it's uh, at the right height because you know my, uh, you know, my yeah, teachers sure, are better sure. eyes. <laughs> yeah. you're, bringing your, you're bringing your own chains in. You're bringing your own yeah. hooks. I, I, I yeah. get it. I got gotcha. you. That's absolutely it. Uh, just a little bit more on Chosen, like, um, uh, like in the first episode, he, I think it's the first episode, right, where he recognizes Tengsudo through through the window, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, uh, I know you guys kind of, um, t- uh, it's revealed that you know Sato also trained American soldiers and whatnot. Was there any other uh, discussion on like? What Chosen? Uh, how Chosen knows these things? Is it because like after? Part two, he just started kind of traveling. Uh, what was it? Just all from Sato that that he knows all this stuff. I think like I think what's so fun about Chosen as a character is that like we really wanted to dive into. Well, let me talk. I mean, the season was always going to be about like starting to bring things back to the beginning, and and digging into the, the deeper history of Cobra Kai as a style and what does that style mean and and is there an even darker version of it that's been diluted since you know, the start of the show. And by diluted, I just mean like, even like, is there an even harder version of Cobra Kai that exists? So I think we really were attracted to the idea of diving into that history. And it felt right for Chosen to be the arbiter of that because, you know, he could have, he could have studied those things over the years. Like he's kind of become the, the keeper of the Miyagi-Do history at Miyagi-Do East. So we really liked the idea of, um, of using chosen to kind of dig deeper and having recognized that, like, I think we, I I can't remember specifically how we talked about him knowing this stuff, but I think we always imagined it was like either Sato told him, or it's just things he's learned through the, through the decades as he came back to karate after the events of karate kid two, or like maybe Sato taught him early on, like before karate kid two began. So it just felt like interesting knowledge because, you know, so much of, of, you know, me of like karate, it came from this like idea that, or not idea, this story of, you know, how, how it kind of split off, right? Mm-hmm. How, how Miyagi-Do karate kind of is a combination of styles. So, so we thought that there's something interesting about Cobra Kai kind of being similar where, you know, it's an, it's an offshoot and a dangerous offshoot. And what does that danger mean? And, you know, you also got to get this exposition out, right? So it felt like it was a smooth way to explain the history and get get our audience on board with, oh, we're going to be diving deeper into Tong Su Do and, and to the introduction of Kim Dae-yoon, you know? Well, speaking of her, uh, kind, of, kind of in her... Uh... The you know that character and and the fist. Let's start off with the fist yeah. r- real quick. Uh, yeah. Just just cover it up with some of those characters and their and their looks. What was that like? <laughs> okay, so the the idea of the fist was brought up even before. Like that was like so so before the room even started. I had a I came in a little bit early to the writers to kind of just like debrief on where where the guys were feeling because um, I I tend to help get the cards up on the board early of like helping figure out like, okay, where's the season going? How does the season kind of break down? So one of the things they talked about was the idea of, of there being these five characters. And I can't remember if I coined the fist or they did, but, but we were just like, they're called the fist. Okay. We're just going to call them the fist. Uh, Cause we like the idea of, you know, it being like this extension of silver. Um, and, and once we started getting into the season and like, we weren't sure when the fist was going to be introduced, 
we realized that the best time to introduce them was mid-season when you got the sense that Silver beat Daniel, Daniel's out of commission, and now he can, like, move into his next phase of his plan by bringing these, like, other senseis in. So what happened what, from there was, at first we were like, okay, is the fist all from the do- from you know, Kim Dae-yoon's dojo? And if they were, are they all, you know, Korean? And we really wanted to kind of expand and, and have this feeling like people all over the world could come to, you know, Kim Dae-yoon's dojo and learn, similar to the way Sato taught soldiers in, in Okinawa. So we wanted, we wanted to, like, kind of mirror that. That was why we were like, okay, well, they should be have all sorts of backgrounds. And that was when we started having fun with, like, their, their backstories and their names. And we I remember, like, me and Joe and Luan, like, did a first pass on the names and, and, and pitched them to, uh, to the guys. And I, I remember Hayden laughing really hard at, at uh, o- Odell, I think, uh, <laughs> who, who, um, whose nickname is K.O., which like made him laugh because we, we were like, okay, this now we're getting into like Rocky Four territory a little bit, which felt like a fun opportunity to kind of have these characters like, okay, this guy's got an eye patch, this guy looks like this, this guy. So we we really wanted to take almost a Star Wars approach where any one of these characters, you look at them and you can be like, I want to know what their backstory is, I want to know who they are, they have a rich backstory, they have a rich like identity, and I like you could do basically the 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 thing that Hayden especially talked about was like i want a comic book about each of these guys you know what i mean so that was where their kind of backstory kind of we we crafted i don't remember what they all were i think we have them written down somewhere but you know we did we did talk about where they came from what their names were what you know why did he i can't remember if we talked about why he lost the eye but we liked the idea of that um (laughs) but yeah so it was kind of a long it was like an all-season process of like who they are do they get you know what what are they from what are they like yeah, I, I really like that. And especially their introduction, it almost kind of reminds me of like uh, that moment in like Masters of the Universe where they had like all the bad oh, guys sure. lined up and they all look different, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, well, it's very like Kill Bill, right? It's like very, yeah. I mean, the music actually has the like very Tarantino vibe, which I think the guy, like uh, Zach and Lee always talked about um, for that, that track. Uh, but yeah, it was really about giving them an introduction, having it be like, the stakes are higher now. Now these like terrifying senseis. And we really, I really love the idea that it took Johnny and Chosen to like even compete against one. And there's five of them. Like it just, the power ranking stuff is always so much fun to play with in the, in right. the in well, this show. <laughs> I, I love that, uh, that, that sequence as well. Johnny and Chosen, you know, walking through the, uh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Could you talk about like the walk through the parking lot and going from like, talking shit about him to like respecting him you know like well i, I saw him save a girl from a uh, typhoon i i love that scene it's one of my favorite scenes i'm very proud of that scene uh it, it was always like i think what we we talked about in the room when we broke that scene was it's so much about like you want to start the scene with the two of them not liking each other and using it was always just funny to use daniel as the arbiter of their relationship because so much of their identity is kind of around Daniel in the movies, right? So it was right. fun to kind of use Daniel as a, the middle of a Venn diagram for the two of them. And and the idea that there's like this competition between them. And it was just always funny to me that the competition starts who beat him up worse and then who saw him do cooler things. You know what I mean? Right. So it was just a fun opportunity for there to be like, what is their relationship going to be this season? What, what is their, how do they get to know each other? And the idea that there's just this like healthy competition, even in the way that they fight, you know? So the idea of putting these two guys together who have a lot in common, because like, look, if you even rewind, like when we talked about season three, I always imagined use, we use chosen as a way to get Daniel closer to Johnny by the end of that season. Right? Like the whole goal of season three is to get Daniel and Cho and Johnny in that backyard at the end of the season. That was always the end game of season three. And chosen was so much of showing Daniel the other side of Johnny. Like, what if you could get like if if things had been different between him and Johnny? What if Johnny was felt more guilty about? Or I mean, Johnny always felt guilty, but like it, it just felt like chosen was always a way for Daniel to get to Johnny. And it's fun to use that in this way too, where these two have so much in common. 
and uh, yeah, it was just a, a blast to write that scene and to have all these callbacks to their histories and their movies and, and what information does Johnny know and not know? You know, because he wouldn't be aware of the stuff that happened in Karate Kid 2, really. So right. uh, it's, it's always fun for our characters to, like, discover the movies. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it was, it, those scenes are so much fun. And it's like a dream to write them fighting, you know, the, the, the member of the fist in that dojo, in the new dojo, and seeing them switch off and then seeing them, like, back to back. Like, are you kidding me? That was yeah. so much fun. <laughs> to see coming to fruition and uh yeah it was a blast oh i mean when that trailer came out we all lost our shit you know just seeing them in the dojo oh, together and, and, and the, yeah. that little bit of dialogue like uh adult classes are on wednesday you know we're here to <laughs> teach you yeah, 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 all of that but just my real favorite, quick on that. My favorite, if, uh-huh. if i can share my favorite joke in that is when <laughs> when she, she recognizes chosen and then thinks that johnny is daniel that's like my favorite joke in that episode is the fact that too. it's like, it goes back to like, what do characters know and who do they assume they are? You know what I mean? So it's, it's just, it's such a fun scene. And that, that whole episode is one of my favorites. Uh, yeah. Next. No, that is, that is definitely one of my favorite lines. I, I think I even, yeah, no, I, I clipped it out and, and shared it. I forgot what I captured it, but that oh, was, cool. yeah, definitely one of my favorite lines. Uh, just back to their exchange, real quick. Like I, I felt like the the back and forth was so, yeah, you know, kind of quick, but it was so slick that I feel a lot of people like it, it was lost on them that uh, you guys realized that Johnny just said like I saw you know Daniel take a guy down using pressure points. You know, like he, he didn't even say it was himself. You know, because he would, he didn't want to look bad in front of chosen. Yes, yes. Well, I think he was also talking about crease, right? Like. He, oh, okay. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think I imagine he was talking about Crease in that final fight. You're right. He did use him against him in, like, I think the previous. No, in uh, in in uh, season four as well. Yeah, four or five. Um, yeah. But I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. But I, I was I was thinking of uh, Crease in that line for sure. But it works either way, honestly. It, it does, and it, 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 you're right. It's kind of like, what do they know? Well, Chosen has not yet met Crease, right? Because we haven't had the uh, that talk. That would be well. Maybe John. Well, Johnny doesn't know that Chosen just learned about Crease in the previous episode in, in Five Hundred Five, right? That, right? I think that's right. where. Yeah, that's when Chosen knows it. So to take. Uh, so uh, let's stick, let's stick with Johnny. Uh, back in the first episode, so like the whole Mexico trip, I was a little surprised. I was two episodes because I, I felt that it was. Gonna, uh, I thought Hector was going to be bigger. Um, can you yeah. talk about uh, breaking the the Mexico storyline? Yeah, I mean, we, we knew we wanted to start the season in Mexico. I mean, just because we ended the previous season where we did. So we, we always, I think we always knew we wanted it, them to be in Mexico for a few episodes, but not for a long time. Because the longer you're in Mexico, you, you want to get Johnny back in, in, in the Valley and, and getting him mixing up in, in what's going to be happening with Silver and Cobra Kai. And I think we, we also, you know, there, there's so many characters, there's so much to do in Cobra Kai. We're, we're still technically a half-hour show, even though... Uh, the, the timeline of the episodes or the, the length of the episodes continues to rise. But, uh, you know, we, we only have so much room in the, in the season. So we really wanted to get, we wanted to do a Mexico storyline that felt like almost like a little mini movie. And it just made sense to do it in two episodes where one is about getting Miguel to Hector and episode two is about the ramifications of that. And we, I mean, I personally always loved the like heartbreakness of it that, that Miguel meets the dad and doesn't know that. And the dad doesn't know it's Miguel. Like there, it just felt like such an interesting way because, you know, we set up that Hector is dangerous and that, you know, the, that, that, you know, um, you know, uh, Miguel Carmen has like a past with, with this person. and, And so does, you know, the grandmother. So we really wanted to maintain that danger while coming at it with like, we just think it was interesting. I don't know whose idea was. I think it might have been Joe's. Joe was really pushing it, but it just felt like such a great way to like get get to know this character and for like Miguel to meet his father almost like con- just to get to know him like context free because that's, I feel like the second Hector knows Miguel's his son, the relationship changes, right? So it felt like such right. a pure way to get to know this person. So when we were breaking it, we always knew like, okay, there's going to be some like we we think there was some fun in some in like a little misdirection of like who the audience 
ex- expects the dead to be, and then to, you know, in typical Cobra Kai way, put our spin on it and to kind of play away from what you would expect. Uh, and then he still ends up being bad in episode two, but we really wanted right. to, to kind of reveal that. And for Miguel, for a second to think that maybe Carmen was wrong and, and it's that fantasy, right? Of like, maybe, maybe the family can get back together or maybe he's changed. And, you know, in some ways Hector did change, but in other ways he, he, he didn't. And we really wanted to show that like, you know, Carmen was, was correct about the dad in a lot of ways and that, you know, ultimately this dad was a selfish person and, and to help, you know, re-strengthen the relationship between Johnny and Miguel because, you know, they left on not great terms in the previous season, right? So it was so much about getting Miguel back to Johnny as much as it was about Miguel meeting his dad. I see. Yeah, because it it, it felt like um, what we were learning about Hector where he's like, you know, walking through the town and everybody's greeting him and hugging him, just embracing him. It's like, okay, well, he seems like a really good guy. Episode two, exactly. we're like, okay, you know what? He's, he's still, you know, could still be a little dirty, definitely paranoid and, and all of these things. I, I think that's why a lot of people, um, including myself, we feel like Hector might return in season six. Sure. Like it, it just, it almost feels like it's, it's, it's not done just because it's like, gosh, they, they're showing so many layers of this character. And so, I don't know. Um, Speaking of Hector well, Salazar, so I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll repeat. Uh, I'll, re- I'll repeat what, what the, the Cobra Kai guys always say. Uh, the big three always say, which is anyone from the season, anyone from the series, can come back at any time. <laughs> right, it's a, right. It's yeah. a thriving world. <laughs> right. Uh, or uh, as John likes to say, you know, we love these characters. You know, we like to see these characters return. You know, that that kind of that talk. Yeah. Um, now, the, uh, I, I call this this other gentleman a, a, a mini boss. Um, the, the very first uh, one with, with, the, with the hat. Is he also a Hector Salazar? There was a little confusion on like why Miguel went straight to him. Does this guy work for Hector? You know, because he because uh, Miguel had an address and this is where he goes first. Yeah, so the idea was that it's Hector's restaurant. Okay. And the idea is that this guy is like kind of a regular and and you actually, I, I it's been, uh, I believe he's like, when you hear the name Hector being called, the idea was that that the dad is actually in that up is, is supposed to be in, around there. You know what I mean? Like he's calling it like you, you almost want to think like, Oh, they're talking to this guy, but he's really talking to, to the real Hector. So his, his, that was the idea. Um, things might have, it's been a bit since I watched the episode, so I apologize. Oh, sure, uh, I sure, did not yeah. rush up our interview, but like that was the idea was this guy is like kind of a regular that hangs out in the restaurant. But and maybe he's almost like he's like kind of a, a skeezier crime person who lives in the in the in the neighborhood, but he's not like directly working for Hector necessarily. Right. Um, and then with uh, Maria and Luis, uh, my my assumption was that 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 this isn't Hector's son, so it it kind of makes Miguel think like, well, I might have the you know this 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 uh, possibility of like being the only son to this man. What was that kind of the idea? Why? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We like the idea of like him finding out it's, we wanted episode one to be the fantasy of meeting the dad, which Mm -hmm. is, Oh my God, not only am I meeting my dad, it turns out he has an entire family. Like there's a little bit, there's something a little heartbreaking about that of like, uh, like discovering the other family. And, but we think there's something also kind of nice about like ending that episode with, him sitting down to dinner and having dinner with his family, uh, you know, with, with the family, he, it's like, it's like the, it's like what he always hoped having a dad might feel like where it's like Carmen and the dad, and maybe there was, would be a sibling. Um, and you know, obviously the more that you reveal about Hector and the fact that he's like, Oh yeah, you know, kids are annoying. Kids are a pain, you know, don't, you know, don't get a girl pregnant, all that stuff. Um, so we really just want that to be like the the coming back to earth of it, but but so much of that episode is so much about like oh my god I have I think I have a brother you know yeah um, in episode six so let, let's talk a so some more crease you talked yeah. about yeah a lot a lot of great dialogue you introduce a a character by the name of. Uh, of Gabriel, played my own horn. Uh, <laughs> he's hilarious. I, I had no idea what I, I, I was going to get when I first interviewed him, but that that guy is is, is pretty funny. Owen's awesome. Yeah, it was Great. really really good. Uh, so can you and and he also shared that you know there were some 
pitches of his own in terms of like his take on the character, which sounds like it was a little bit different. Uh, he, he mentions that Gabriel um, is described as uh, he was a lifer in, in, in prison. Was that correct? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Right, because that that also like with that little tidbit that kind of makes sense in uh in the finale where he you know helps Crease escape because it's like well even if he did that for real what what's what's the big deal he's already in there for life so killing a man in prison you know that's not gonna make a difference for him you know he's not getting really uh, getting released right exactly and and we just like the idea of like. Priest getting bullied in prison <laughs> felt very funny, and there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, you know, in some of the research we've done about the way that the you know the elderly are treated in in prison, so we thought there was something funny about Priest being bullied and then reclaiming that power. And I love the yes sensei moment at the end of six. That's like one of my favorite moments in that episode. But uh, yeah. uh, we really like the idea that like now he's the one. And look, like we're all big fans of Oz in the room too. So I think there was like wanting to do an Oz-style Cobra Kai episode felt really fun. So, yeah, it was so much about seeing him, you know, get bullied and then him becoming Kreese again and, and making this guy his subordinate um, and having power over him. Yeah, it. Uh, I really do like it. The um, the the therapist or uh, the counselor, she was speaking with her and stuff. Can you talk about the sequence where he sits there and we're seeing all the, the different... Uh, characters that he has hurt. Uh, what, what, what were the? Uh, how did you guys decide exactly which characters would would show up? So I think, like, man, I'm trying to remember how this broke down. It was it was a very. I love this scene. I, I think, like, maybe after I, I think the uh, what is it the uh, Daniel letter writing scene in episode in season three is like probably my favorite thing I've written for the show. This this comes uh-huh. pretty close after it. And I think it was so much about, like, who are the people that are the most meaningful to Crease? Who are the people he wronged? Who are the people he has beef with? So it was pretty easy to come up with a list of, like, who we wanted to see and why we wanted to see them. And I, and I don't even think the guys knew I was going to throw some of those people in. I kind of wanted to surprise them, um, like, with seeing, you know, seeing the, the lieutenant come back. Uh, and, and, and the trick of writing this scene was I wanted everything that the characters say could have come out of the therapist's mouth. Right. Like, and, and that was really tricky. Um, but that was the whole concept, right? Is that it was really important that everything that is being said is still coming out of the therapist, but it's crease imagining these people who pertain to these aspects of his life and really taking crease on a roller coaster of the Betsy, the one, the, the, the love of his life that he lost tragically and and Tori who has become like this surrogate daughter to him and, and that I think he truly does care about um and and you know Silver who wronged him who was a brother that betrayed him and the, the and then his own teacher who had this harsh who took you know who gave him the life lessons of, of that that forced him to kill in season three so it was really fun to kind of take us through a path through Crease's life a little bit and bring these important faces back to our show. Um, I just love like recontextualizing stuff. Like it's what I love so much not to get like star Warsy, but what I love so much about like the new star Wars stuff is that it's like recontextualizing the prequels. And I think it's been fun to use this season to recontextualize stuff. We even saw in season three, you know, previous seasons of Cobra Kai. It's been really fun to, to really break that down. So that, that scene was like a lot of fun to write and it was really challenging in the best way. And it's, it, that's the kind of stuff I just love to chew on. Yeah, um, it, it, I love how it does bookend with like Betsy and Young Trees pre-Vietnam. And I'm saying that because, uh, you know, shout out to um, one of my moderators, Dorian, who did a screenshot recently. And it didn't even occur to me that what Barrett's wearing in that sequence is what he wore before he went to Vietnam, too. Is that something yeah. that you spoke with, like, Frank about in terms of, like, putting Barrett in that? Uh, th- was there a discussion on, like, which version of Young Crease we were going to see? I think it was, I think that was probably Frank's idea, because um, okay. Frank is, like, a fucking, he's a fucking genius. <laughs> yes. uh, but uh, uh, I, I think that's, like, we knew we wanted Young Crease to show up for two reasons. One, it just felt like, I think that was something we even pitched in like season four was having a moment where 
Crease and Young Crease are like face to face. That was something I think we I think we were actually shooting the Young Crease and Young Silver scene in season four. And Joe and Luan and I came over to the guys and were like, we have an idea next year. Because I think we knew he was going to be in prison by that season. We were like, it'd be really cool to get Young Crease and Older Crease in a scene together. Um, so it felt like it was a great opportunity to kind of, you know, bookend that scene by having Crease face himself and start to become more of himself. But then it also was, it, what, what's great about that too, or like the reason why we, we did that, was to then also help the audience be prepared to then intercut with young Crease in the fight scene. So you totally are like mental. It's not a jump for the audience's brain, right? It's like we kind of set it up a little bit, so now you kind of aren't surprised. You're surprised in a good way. You're like, oh, right. well, awesome, okay. It's not, it's not coming out of left field necessarily. Um, I know we're cutting really low on time, so I'll try to get to yeah. some more of the bigger stuff. We haven't talked too much about the uh, Tori and Devin bonding. Um, I know that um, yeah. you know both of their mothers are are uh, are are ill. Devin's mom passing away previously from cancer, and I believe it was in episode nine where was that the episode where Sam goes to. Tori's house and sees her uh, Tori's yeah. mom's legs. Okay, so uh, can, yeah, can you talk about like um, Tori and Devin and and, and yeah. that bond? Yeah. So we we it was it was important for us this season. I mean, there's so much great Tori stuff this year. Peyton's amazing. She's yeah. so great to work with, and we really love the character of Tori and seeing how far she's grown. And I think it was important for us to have Tori have a kind of mentee or have a relationship with someone uh, that would help, you know, uh, feel the push and pull of what her position was in Cobra Kai, because, you know, by this point we've revealed that she's in Cobra Kai working for Crease. Um, I mean, I guess six is the episode where we're like diving into that for real. Like we reveal it in five, but six is like, now we're like getting into the meat of that. So it was important for us to have, a character in the dojo that she could like bond with and, and feel a, like a little protective of similar to how Robbie feels protective of Kenny. We thought it'd be good for Tori to have a relationship with someone like that. And Devin felt like a great fit because Devin, it felt we, we feel like Devin would naturally want to try a different dojo if Eagle Fang is closed because she got a taste of karate and, and, and she's good at it. So it felt like a great opportunity to also use Devin as a way to be like, okay, Devin's in a new dojo, but now you know, wa- like watching Silver take over a dojo from Devin's point of view. Like we, it was great to have Devin be those audiences' eyes as that moment happened. So it was like kind of a bunch of a bunch of things, you know, kind of came into fruition with that. And we just wanted there to be a, a pull of Tori and a guilt for Tori that there's like actual stakes to her decision making, and that there's you know there's a reason why. Like we like the idea of her trying to push Devin away, and in doing so, it just gets Devin more into the dojo, and it just felt like a great, you know, story. There's just good juice there for for Tori. Yeah, I, I also like how um, I this is the the weirdest uh, transition, but like Miguel, like you know, the, everything that happened with Miguel and Sam throughout the season, really. But I I, I like how there's a sequence in episode nine where um, I think. I think it's nine where Miguel kind of tells Sam like, well, this is look, you, you, you don't know what Tori's going through with Cobra Kai. It kind of parallels like uh, Jessica Andrews telling Amanda everything, you know, about Terry Silver yeah. and, and what happened with, with Daniel. So I, I kind of like those. Uh, so I, I, I have two things and we can fit it in, in the time I have left with you that, that I'd like to talk sure. about uh, the, okay. So, so, so the, the relationship between Sam and Miguel, you know, kind of breaking up in the very beginning and to um, to what happens with them at the end? Uh, I I believe it was in episode eight at the end of it when uh, Sam goes to the party, sees Miguel kissing. So can you kind of talk about their dynamic in that season? In in the season? Yeah, I mean we we knew they were going to break up this season. I mean Miguel, you know, did some. I mean, I, looking even to episode one, you know, Sam cares about Miguel, and Miguel just left and. You know, we, what we love so much about the show is that when people are arguing, you want to feel like both people are right, uh, you know, from their perspective and their headspace. So it was so much about, Sam, you know, Sam being in a mixed place, feeling about karate after losing and, and the heartbreak of that and, and, you know, really needing time away from Miguel and time away from karate to kind of re, 
understand her her relationship with karate and who she is and you know that's so much of her arc in the show is is like who Sam is and is she the is she Daniel's you know, is she Larissa two point or is she something more who's she going to be and I think you know when it came to Miguel we knew I think we knew we wanted them to get back together by the end it was just a question of how and why and I think it was a very late in the game idea that I love is that, you know, basically this, this season is so much about Miguel and Sam having the ability of, to say, I love you to each other and, and watching them kind of have this bump in the road and, and seeing them come back together and, you know, giving each other the freedom to give, to have perspective. And, and I think it's great because I feel like if Miguel and Sam were together in that scene in, in nine, I don't know if Miguel would have said that stuff about Tori, you know, I, I think the fact that they're broken up allows them to be a little more real with each other in some ways. So I that was like always that. the perspective of the yeah. season. And I think like there's, there's something interesting about the will. Like we also like the will, they won't they, and you know, okay, they're broken up, but they're still stealing glances here and there. And Sam seeing a new side of Miguel, you know, uh, in, in the season. And uh, it's just, it's just fun to have that soap opera. Okay, and we'll end it with this. So I'll kind of combine a couple of scenes here. There's a, a really <laughs> great moment when Terry Silver enters the elevator, uh, oh, where yeah. where yeah, where Carmen and Johnny are looking at an ultrasound, um, and he has this you know really great dialogue about legacy and, and whatnot. Can you talk about um, that moment and also? In episode nine, where uh, Sensei Kim and Silver are both drinking and they're talking about like you know motivations are kind of being revealed. Can can you kind of uh, talk about those two things uh, with Terry Silver? Yeah, maybe? Sure. yeah. I mean, I think like I think some of the stuff here is gonna it will you know I think like we really like the idea of Silver appearing suddenly in Johnny's world, and you know episode nine is such a happy episode. You feel like they've won because they're in the Sakai Taikai by this time. And, you know, they're pregnant, and that was really fun. I mean, like, I have a six-year-old daughter, so I definitely pulled from a little of my own emotions uh, of Johnny seeing this kid for the first time. And, and also, it's like, you know, Johnny wasn't there for Robbie. So there's so many, so much energy of, like, he's making the right choices this time. He's going to be there for this kid. And, you know, there's a lot of fun to be had, too, of, like, Johnny being a bit of a caveman, knowing <laughs> how babies, you know, how this whole thing works and you know, he's a kicker, all that fun shit. So I think there was that element. We really liked the idea of Silver still being a danger. So it was fun to have a, a way for him to show up suddenly. And I think like, you know, so much of this season is about legacy. Just to tie into the second scene you were asking about, so much of this season is about legacy. The legacy of Silver and Cobra Kai, you know, because they talk about that in episode six with Kim Dae-yoon about you know, the, the future of your karate, it can, it can expand, it can be bigger. So we knew that was always going to be a big part of this. I think, like, for Johnny, it's about his own legacy with his kid and what is, who is he going to be? And, and, you know, there's the Miyagi-Do legacy as well with Daniel and wanting there to be a, a future of other karates outside of just Cobra Kai taking over. So, you know, I think there was a lot of those things coming to play. I mean, like, look, you watch Karate Kid 3, and Silver says, like, there's going to be a dojo on every corner, and we wanted this season to be so much of, like, what if Karate Kid 3 came true? What if Daniel never won? So we really wanted to play that out this season, and, and Legacy naturally is going to come up for a character like that. Um, it's also so much of what the show is about, you know? It's about where Cobra Kai continues the legacy of Co of the Karate Kid, and, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, if, if the Miyagi-verse will be alive and well as after the season six ends and uh you know i think i think it's so much about legacies in all of our heads anyway that i think we just thought it's so much of what silver would care about and want to want to talk to kim Dae-yoon about and that concludes my interview with michael jonathan smith i want to thank him again for fitting me into his um busy schedule and uh, there was just so much that uh, he gave us uh, a lot of really interesting insight into a lot of the characters, especially Crease, you know, and uh, I'm glad that he uh, told us, you know, some of his favorite moments and some of the things that he was really proud of. So uh, definitely keep it locked here. Um, eventually, I'm going to transition into a network where I will also be covering Twisted Metal here on this feed. Um, so I, I, try, I try to 
indicate which episodes are for which shows. So if something's for Twisted Metal, it'll probably say Twisted Metal in the beginning of it. You guys will see it. You guys have been following me long enough to um, uh, to may- maybe know how I kind of operate things. But I'm doing this remotely too, so apologies if the quality isn't coming out as clear as usual. Um, today's a, a big day for me. Uh, I'm going to be meeting the cast of Back to the Future at my local Comic-Con. You see at the Fan Expo Portland. So... I haven't decided whether or not I'll be doing an episode uh, on that yet just because it's not, you know, Cobra Kai related. So maybe, maybe it's something I kind of casually bring up or maybe it'll be a bonus episode. Who knows? But, uh, you know, I want to thank you guys for all your patience and uh, continued support of, of uh, you know, what I do here. Um, you know, shout out to Watch Party, who's been a big help to um, to to help me out with the season five reviews. You know, in the past, I have said, you know, when there's been like a little bit of lulls in between like my episodes, you know, life gets in the way. Uh, not only that, death gets in the way as well. So we we had a passing in the family. I did, didn't want to end this episode on a downer, but also kind of wanted to explain why, um, you know, the episode reviews have been coming uh, kind of slowly. Uh, it'll be brought up again on the next uh, episode review. Hopefully that will be coming shortly. Uh, in the event, you know, for those people that don't really listen to the interviews and 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 like just the the episode breakdowns, but that's kind of been what's going uh, been going on uh, with me on the personal end. Um, but you know, I'm still you know kind of active on on social media. But uh, if you guys want to follow me there for the Cobra Kai one, uh, I'm on Twitter at Cobra Kai Pod, on Instagram at Cobra Kai Companion, and. Um, yeah, just you know, just kind of follow and subscribe to the YouTube channel for all the good content coming in the near future. That will do it, and I will see you guys on the next episode. Thank you, by the way, for awesome, your man. fandom. You're, you've been great, man. Everything, you've been along for the ride the whole time. You've been cheering us on. You're, you really get into it. You get the fans engaged. So you being here is, is, is important, and we really, really appreciate you, man. Thank you. So keep up the good work.